Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Come with me in your Bibles. We're going to be reading uh, from 2 Kings chapter 13. I will be reading from the NIV this morning, the nearly inspired version. Just kidding. I know it's the New International Version. But I, I, like, I like this. There's a few things I want to pull out. And so for the first time in a long time, I'm going to be reading from the NIV as opposed to the New King James. So sorry, New King James. I'm going to, I just, because I don't want you to be upset. I don't want you to be jealous. So I'm going to be, I've got it here. And uh, you just, will come back to you. All right. 2 Kings chapter 13, you there? Now, Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoahash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. He says, take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground, and he struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him. And he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will only defeat it three times. The title of my message today is the power is in your hand. The power is in your hand. We've been prophesying that 2023 is going to be 2020 free. 2020 free. And uh, I, I, I was preparing another message. I had kind of like another message on my heart, but I felt kind of a little bit of a Holy Ghost hijacking that, no, this is the, the message you, you need to preach. I found out in the green room between services that Pastor Mike preached from this text on Wednesday night. Had no idea. And uh, so God is, God is trying to get a message through to us. Uh, I saw another report on my news feed that um, there's about a million people projected again to leave California. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't judge or throw stones, but Yes, it might be easier fleeing to a red state, but I'm telling you, if you think that you're fleeing from the battle, that somehow the battle's going to only stay in California, this is a globalist agenda. It seeks to defeat America, seeks to destroy America for what it is, to overthrow the Constitution, and it seeks to enslave you. There's nowhere that you can hide where the battle won't come to you. It, it, may, it may take a little while longer to get to some of these states, but I'm telling you, it's coming after those states. So what, what I want to maybe encourage you is instead just draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? Like Eliezer, son of Dodo the Ahohite, I'm going to fight for this field of lentils. I'm going to, it may not be much, but I'm going to fight for my peace. I'm going to fight for San Diego. I'm going to fight for San Marcos. I'm going to fight for California. California is worth fighting for. Somebody say amen. She's worth fighting for. 
And I refuse to let the new Salinis and the, the, the Jezebels and Fletcher and Tonglor and all of these people who have hijacked our nation, who have a wicked agenda, they're carried by a wicked spirit. They may not be wicked people, but they're carried by a, a Luciferic spirit. We're not going to let them have the final say. We're not going to let them have the, the full, full agenda worked out. We're going to overthrow principalities and powers. What is happening here is the Syrians, the Arameans, have surrounded Israel. They've cut off her supply. It's called a siege or to be besieged, which means the supply chains are right now in Israel shut off. You can't get eggs. That They've got their own version of empty shelves Biden going on. They've got inflated prices. It's, it's, it's chaos. And the enemy is coming in. At such a such a such a fierce, such a fierce pace that the king, King Joash, is overwhelmed and he goes to Elisha. It's very interesting the language that he uses. He goes to Elisha, who we know is is kind of this is his his last stand. This is the last thing he does before he he, he departs from this life. And and the king goes with a little bit of prophetic insight. And he says. He, he says to, to Elisha, he says, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. This was exactly the words that Elisha, the servant of Elijah, spoke when he was just the guy who poured water on the hands of Elijah, and Elijah was the prophet. And Elijah said to him, You've been serving me faithfully all these years. What would you like from me? He says, I want a double portion of the spirit that's on you. And Elijah says, Man, what you ask for is difficult. Can I tell you, people who change the world ask difficult questions. Well, one of the things you'll notice here when, when we have people up to, to pray, and you did a fabulous job, Heather, is we don't have people say, Lord, we just ask that you just. And Lord, we just, because we don't want to bother you because we know you're busy. And we don't want to ask anything too difficult because then, you know, we might get disappointed. And uh, if you want to pray prayers like that, they're the... They're, 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 God has a priority list, and this is probably at the bottom of his priority to answer those prayers. If you want to change the world, ask difficult things. When you ask for something difficult, you actually compliment God. When you ask for what is easy, it's an insult. Just let that settle. Anyway, so, so Elisha says to him, I want a double portion of the Spirit that's on you. And Elijah says, man, what you've asked for is difficult. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken up, it'll be so to you. And on the day where they cross the, the, the Jordan, Elisha looks up and he sees chariots of fire coming down. And he says to Elijah, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind, but the mantle fell. That mantle that was what Elijah was wearing was the, was the anointing, was the mantle. It was the mantle that destroyed 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asher. In other words, wiped out fake news in the land. If you think this is the first time fake news has been in the land, lying to you about vaccines, lying to you about origins of COVID, lying to you about what's, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's a peaceful protest and there's police cars exploding on fire behind them, windows being smashed, rioting and looting. No, no, it's mostly peaceful. 
oh, January 6th, the insurrection, where they're ushering people in and opening doors and fake news. Elijah took down the, pro- the false prophets. He took down the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Asherah, and then he broke a drought. The economy was crippled, and he broke the drought and changed the economy. And now the king, the king comes to Elisha, and he says, I know you carry an anointing to shift the economy. I know you carry an anointing to tear down principalities and powers. I know you carry an anointing to overthrow the works of darkness. I know that you carry an anointing that can bring deliverance that can bring freedom and so he comes with the same words my father my father is there one blessing left is there one miracle left you've done twice the miracles that Elijah did if you read it it says that that Elisha did twice the amount of miracles that Elijah he truly did have a double portion of what was on Elijah but the king is desperate he's tried every other means nothing's brought breakthrough so he goes to the man of God I'm telling you we've tried everything but it's the church it's not the politicians it's the church it's not legislation it's the church it's the church that needs to rise up in this hour so he comes to Elisha and he says Elisha my father my father the chariots of Israel and their horsemen is there is there a miracle and Elisha says this he says take the bow and some arrows take a bow and some arrows point number one get a bow and some arrows in other words Shift things to understand that nothing's going to change out there till you get a spirit of warfare in here. The church is built in a climate of war. Jesus said, I will build my church and, same sentence, and, same verse, the gates of hell will not prevail against it I will build my church and the gates of hell in other words he's saying when I build my church it's established in warfare we take ground in warfare and we defend the ground taken through warfare there are only two kingdoms the kingdom of light the kingdom of darkness the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the devil when the church takes ground the devil loses ground he does not like to lose ground he wants the earth to be his domain well we got news for you devil the earth isn't your domain San Diego isn't your domain California isn't your domain Idaho is not your domain. Salt Lake City is not your domain. We are taking ground. I don't understand why Awaken Church got to buy all them buildings. The church isn't a building. The church is the people. Yeah, that's true. The church is the people. But I'm telling you, I like buying territory just so the devil can't have it. It says Awaken Church. It is an altar bringing glory to God. We will worship in that place. There'll be a bonfire of prayer going up into heaven at that location. At that location, we're going to educate our young people we're going to train our young people in righteousness we're going to train our young people in the things of God we're going to teach them how to cast out demons how to lay hands on the sick and see them recover you got to get a bow and some arrows you got to get some warfare Paul writes to Timothy in 1st Timothy 118 He says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, but by them you would wage the good warfare. Can, Can I just tell you, there's been prophetic words spoken over San Diego. 
Pastor Morgan Irvin sent me a text message this morning saying exactly 102 years ago on, the, on January 29, there was a revival that broke out here in California with, with uh, a woman called Pastor Amy Semple McPherson who preached in a boxing ring downtown and brought a, a move of God that lasted five weeks that every day had miracles, signs and wonders but, but caused a revival in San Diego 102 years ago today. Isn't it interesting, a woman in a boxing ring. Do you know what happened when we came 18 years ago, Pastor Alex? They said, um, oh, whatever you do, don't have Leanne preach. San Diego, the culture of San Diego, no women preachers. Yeah, well, I, I, I know, now I know why. Because a woman 102 years ago preached in a boxing ring, preached in a, preached in an arena of warfare. And the devil's like, I'll never let that happen again. Don't let women preach in church. Okay, Lucifer, anything else we should do without theology? <laughs> Wokeness is elevating the spirit of the world above the spirit of God. Why are you not woke? Because wokeness is elevating the spirit of the world above the spirit of God. Anyway, so <laughs> Paul writes to Timothy and says, wage the good warfare. Wage the good warfare. We pray warfare. We protest. Absolutely. You better believe we had a, a, a first good wave turnout at Santee when... Uh, there was a, a male in the female locker rooms. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. Where we lived in New Zealand, South Auckland, uh, it, it was low socioeconomic. God really gave me a, a wonderful baptism, pulled me out of Bible college and threw me into one of the most chaotic climates. We, we did an outreach in uh, Tangaroa College and we had about 50 girls get saved. And so we had a new Christians class and they came to new Christians class. And I'm trying to teach the curriculum. You know, this, now that you're a Christian, this is what it means. Jesus come into your heart, you're born again. You know, water baptism is an outward expression of an inward. I'm trying to teach it. But I, I kept going into being sexually abused and and I'm like what am I doing over here can't discipline man stick with the curriculum and I kept going so finally I realized this isn't me it's the Holy Ghost so I said you know every head bowed every eye closed 50 young ladies at a, at a, at a girls college I said how many girls here uh, have been sexually abused sexually interfered with 50 girls 48 hands went up and I thought, oh my gosh, gosh, I'm a, I'm a doofus. I must, have, I must have said it wrong. I said, no, 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 sorry, hands down, hands down. No, sorry, no, no, if you have been, not if you haven't been, if you have been, 48 hands went up. We, we were constantly dealing the, in the, in the Maori culture and the Polynesian culture, the parents don't discipline the children. Parents don't discipline the children. They have elders who live on a marae and you take, you take your child who's misbehaving and you leave them with the elders, which works on the islands because there's no alcohol on the islands. 
But these people have alcohol and pornography, which they don't have on the islands. So a lot of these elders are, are drunks and, and being infected by, by perversion. And so they see, and so the, the, the sexual abuse was rampant. I can't even begin to tell you how many people. What, one, one, I remember one young, young guy came into our, came into our meeting. And, uh, and again, I'm preaching and I'm trying to preach on relationships and I kept going into Satanism which has nothing to do with anyone. And so and I'm like, why am I doing with Satanism and witchcraft? And so finally, I just said, I've got to quit. You know, if you've never given your life, this guy raises his hand, he comes forward. As I pray for him, his eyes roll back and he begins to growl. And we realize it's a demon. So I said, quick, get him out of the meeting, you know, take him up into my office and I'll get there. When I got in there, um, he's, he's kind of in a fetal position. This thing's growling. So I closed the door and, uh, and I walked over and I felt the Holy Spirit say, get your Bible. So I got my Bible. And I began to read the Bible and he goes, get that effing book away from me. I said, oh, oh, this book? Long story short, all these demons came out of this, this, this very, very broken young man. He told the story where that night he was actually going to throw himself off uh, Mangare Bridge. And on his way, he's walking. He's already written a note to his mother. And as he's walking, he hears music. Our church was in an industrial building in an industrial area. And he says, a voice said to him, go and see where the music's coming from. The bridge was that way, but our church was this way. And so he thought, well, the bridge is still going to be there. So he walks down. As he walks down the street, the same voice said, go into the meeting. He comes into the meeting. The same voice says, sit there. He had no idea that that night would save his life, but he told the story where the reason he turned to witchcraft and Satanism and all these things was because when he was nine, his, his father, who was an alcoholic, divorced the mother. And he was playing cricket and he, he, his dad came to watch him play cricket, but his dad was drunk in the stands. And the ball was hit and the ball came to, to this young man and he went to catch it and he dropped the catch and the other team won. His father met him after the game with a cricket ball. And a cricket ball is like a, it's, it's much harder than a, a, a baseball. And he says, and his father threw it with all his strength, hitting this little nine-year-old in the, in the chest, breaking two of his ribs. He went into the bathroom with broken ribs, crying. His father left and told him to walk home. He's in the bathroom crying. When out of the stalls came a man who had been waiting in the bathroom who then sexually violated this little nine-year-old boy. He tried to drown the pain with drugs and alcohol and Satanism and witchcraft and couldn't and finally was going to throw himself off a, off a building, but he walked into our church. I'm telling you, it's the gospel. I'm telling you, because we're not a church that, that, that shies away from spiritual things, we're a church that understands spiritual warfare. We cast out demons. You know why we cast them out? Because they don't leave voluntarily. You've got to cast them out. You've got to grab them and you've got to kick them to the curb. You've got to command them to leave. Take a bow and some arrows. And then Elisha puts his hand, he puts his hand on the, the king's hand. In other words, heaven is blessing. Heaven's blessing is activated through warfare. Heaven's blessing is activated through spiritual warfare. 
I'm, I'm determined that the devil's voice will not be the loudest voice at Santee. The devil's voice will not be the loudest voice in our schools teaching critical race theory. Now, can I just tell you something about critical race theory? That the, reason, the reason that we don't do the critical race theory nonsense is because you will not find anywhere in the Bible the word race. Race came from Charles Darwin. Race is what is taught to our children in our schools. The church has had to back up. No Bible in schools. Oh, okay. No prayer in schools. Oh, okay. But they're teaching evolution. I sent, sent a photo. If we can put the, on the screen. This is, this is the original. They, don't, they lie to you. They tell you that, that Charles Darwin wrote a book called The Origin of the Species. But that's not the real title. The real title is on the origin of the species by means of natural selection or the preservation of favoured races in the struggle for life. The motivation for Charles Darwin to write the book was the bourgeoisie had black slaves. Charles Darwin writes in the original that they don't teach in the schools that it's actually, it's actually a benevolence for a white person to have a black slave because when you look at the ape, the closest human to the ape is the black person. The white person is fully evolved, but not the black person. So they should be a domicile. In fact, it's a benevolence that we even bring them into our home. They don't tell you that, but the essence and the origin of that is taught in our schools. Well, you know, they leave that out. They leave that out. Well, understand this, you can clip the, the branches off trees all you like, but if I plant a peach tree, it's going to produce peaches. If I plant an apple tree, it's going to produce apples. If I plant an orange tree, it's going to produce oranges. You can clip away the leaves and the branches all you like. Everything reproduces after its seed. The seed, the seed is its preferred races. Racism does not come from the Bible. It does not come from the kingdom of God. It comes from the pit of hell, and it comes from lies that they're teaching our school. I refuse. That's why we started Awaken Academy because we're going to raise a generation that understands that God made every human being from one blood. We are all descendants of one family. The person on your left and the person on your right just doesn't matter how much melanin they have in their skin, their hair color, their height, their ethnicity. They are your brother. They are your sister. There's one race. It's called the human race. And I refuse to let the devil tell me what I should and shouldn't preach. Take a bow and some arrows. Number two, open the east window. Now that you got some warfare and you got heaven's blessing, open the east window. But hang on, hang on, the Syrians are coming from the north. And if we've got, we got bow and arrows, shouldn't we open the north window? God's like, don't open the north window. I want you to go and I want you to open the east window. Why, why, why the east window? Because the sun rises in the east. God says, the enemy can, they, they can be up there singing and chanting and going through their ranks and doing whatever they are. He says, don't worry about them. I want you to begin to prophesy. I want you to begin to shoot arrows through the east window. A window is something that you look through. A window of opportunity, a window. The sun rises in the east. The window 
of the east that is open is God is saying there's a brand new day. I want you to believe for a brand new day. I want you to know California's best days weren't in its past. California's best days are in its future. The greatest days of California, the greatest days for San Diego are still in front of it. How do you know that, Pastor Jurgen? Because I'm looking at a face full of warriors. I'm looking at campuses full of warrior men and warrior women who have taken their bow and their arrows with the blessing of God and they're opening the east window. Begin to believe for a new day. Begin to believe for a new day in your finances, a new day in your marriage a new day with your children. Begin to open the east window and believe God for a new day. And then I love this. He says, shoot. Shoot. You've got to put some action. Let's put some action. Let's shoot. And the Bible says, as the king takes the arrow and the arrow flies out the window. And as it's flying through the air, Elisha, lying on his deathbed, prophesies. And he says, the arrow of the Lord's victory, the arrow of victory over the Arameans. He says, you're going to completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. What's very, very interesting is that if you read about Abraham, Abraham, it says, was an Aramean. So, so the children of Israel who were the sons of Abraham This is their DNA that's surrounding them. This is their DNA that's threatening to wipe them out. This is the worst part of the, this is the unregenerate, unredeemed part of their DNA seeking to to wipe them out. See, if I was honest with you, it's not just the devil that I'm fighting. I often find that the greatest battle, the greatest enemy is my inner me. The The greatest enemy is my inner me. Our brains are amoral. They're not immoral, but they're also not moral. Your brain processes good from bad through the medium of pleasure. Whatever is pleasurable, your brain says, I'll have more of that. The dopamines that are released, the brain says, I like that. Do that more. Whatever whatever." doesn't bring you pleasure, whatever brings you pain, the brain says, do less of that, but do more of this. That's why God had to bring the Ten Commandments down on Sinai to Moses. And he says, these are written on stone, but really I want them written on your hearts. You will find that when you become a Christian, the first thing that happens is the bow and the arrows, the warfare is within. I find that my head wants things that my heart says, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. But my unregenerate, a heart without the law of God has no idea because the brain wants pleasure. The reason that we get addicted is whether it's sex, whether it's booze, alcohol, whether it's drugs, whatever it is, we get addicted to things because it gave us a pleasure. It released a dopamine. Endorphins were released and the brain says, I like that, do that more. But you can pleasure your way to divorce. You can drink your way. When we go downtown to San Diego and we see all the homeless tents, those people aren't homeless because there's not enough homes in San Diego. They're homeless because for whatever reason, the the law of the Lord, the commandments of God were rejected and they went with their vices. They went with their hedonism. Hedonism means the pursuit of pleasure. 
that they went with what gave them pleasure. They just listened to the amoral of the brain. All of them. When you see it's, it's drugs, it's alcohol, it's vices that have robbed from them. The Arameans have surrounded them. The battle usually in our life is that our external world is a manifestation of our internal world. The things that we haven't dealt with, the things that we haven't put to death with, they don't go away, they continue to grow. And so now it looks like it's going to take them out. That alcohol addiction, that drug addiction can take you out. That sex addiction can take you out. You've got to come to the house of God. You've got to come to the altar. And then you've got to shoot your arrows into those things. You've got to begin to, to, to let God get some warfare, get some blessing from heaven, begin to shoot into those things. Have a look at this, Psalm 119, verse 89. Oh man, the keys are up. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The word settled in the Hebrew is, is it, it means the dispatching of sentinels to secure a territory is, is what the word settled means. It's the same as when our, when our military take, take territory. Maybe, maybe we, we overthrew land or, or our embassy was under attack and so we secured the embassy and then what we do is we place sentinels we place our marines to, to, to guard, to secure what we've now taken through warfare, that's that word settled it says forever Lord your word is settled in heaven when the word of God goes forth, it goes and it settles and it conquers and it secures the perimeter of that region God began to teach me that when I look back, I'm like, God, I don't have Christians. I don't have a Christian upbringing. I don't know any pastors. And God says, you don't need any of that. But I don't, know, I don't have any man that can open the door. You don't need a man. The Holy Ghost will come Mary. He says, you don't need a man. He says, you take my word and you shoot it out of your mouth. Because when it goes forward, when it lands, it always... 2,000 years ago, the word became flesh, dwelt among us. Satan crucified the Word, thinking if I kill the Word, I can rule the universe. The Word died on the cross on the Friday, but it had to die, had to die, because the Word brings life, but death had come through sin. So the Word says, I, gotta, I need to find a vehicle to get into sin. So Jesus says, I'll, I'll go. Let me take the sins of the world let death come upon me and then we can go into death and we can bust death. We can destroy death. We can conquer death. We can defeat death. And then we can rise again on the third day, conquering death. The devil's most powerful weapon was death. Who through the fear of death were, were slaves of corruption. De Jesus defeated death, rose again on the third day. The most powerful force in the universe is the Word of God. Shoot the Word of God. That's what prophesying is prophesying as you load your mouth with the Word of God and you send it forth. That's what prophesying is. That's why we're a prophesying church. The ancient symbol for man in the Chinese language is a mouth. Man is a mouth. Why? Because the, the ancient Chinese, the oldest unbroken language, oldest unbroken language. In fact, all the caricatures are based on knowledge of Genesis 1 to 11. Every caricature. Man is a mouth. Why? Because he's made in the image and the likeness of God. God is a speaking God. He creates with the words of his mouth. 
when a magician performs a trick, what, is, what does a magician say? Say it again. Abracadabra. The Hebrew, abara kadabara, is I create as I speak. I create as I speak. The world that you live in is created by the words of your mouth. You and I, you and I are at our penultimate when God's Word is in our mouth. Let me tell you a truth the devil doesn't want you to hear. It'll mess with your head a little bit, but just let it settle. The Word of God in your mouth is as powerful as the Word of God in God's mouth because it's God's Word. Let me say that one more time. The Word of God in your mouth is as powerful as the Word of God in God's mouth because it's God's Word. God's Word overcame the grave. God's Word overcame death. God's Word overcame sin. God's Word conquers. Have a look at this verse. Have a look at Jeremiah 1 verse 12. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my Word is fulfilled. Or on your screen it says, I'm ready to perform my Word. Another translation says, God says, I am, I, I am watching over my word to perform it. God watches over his word to perform it. The, the Bible says the disciples went out preaching the word, the Lord confirming the word with signs and wonders following. The reason that we refuse to let the spirit of the age or the spirit of the culture or spirit of what's popular dictate and shape what we preach is because I know people come in and they've got a terminal illness. People come in and, and they've got a death sentence over their life. People come in and divorce is imminent. People come in, foreclosure is happening. They, they need power. They need a miracle. How dare I dilute this word to, to, just to try to maybe, you know, be, be more popular or more palatable. Fooey to all of that. People need a power encounter. I didn't sign up to be popular. I didn't become a preacher. Because I wanted friends, I became a preacher because I want to honor God. But I know that if we don't dilute the word, it has power. I refuse to dilute the power so that people see miracles and healings on a regular basis. So we shoot the word of God. Have a look at Psalm 103 verse 20. It's one of my favorite. It says, bless the Lord, you, his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, you, His angels, who excel in strength, who do His Word, heeding the voice of His Word. Notice it doesn't say heeding the voice of the Lord God. It says, no, no, heeding the voice of His Word. So the angels are set. Another translation says that they set themselves. They set themselves to do the Word. So here's what's so powerful. When you and I speak the Word of God, the angels are programmed in such a way to heed the voice of His Word. They don't know the origin. Did the origin come from the Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost? Or did the, did, did the Word come from the Holy Ghost through? Did it come through Pastor Mark Cullen? Did it come through Esther? Who, who, 
All the angels know is the Word went forth and their assignment, they've been programmed to do the Word of God, to carry out the Word of God. How do I change the city? Speak the Word of God. Why do you think the devil doesn't want the Word in our schools? Why do you think the devil doesn't want the Word in our colleges? Why do you think the devil doesn't want the Word in our halls of justice? Because he knows where the Word is, angelic activity happens, heaven backs it up, God fights for His Word, God watches over His Word to perform it. Let me tell you something, we don't need to open the north window and look at the enemy, we open the east window and we begin to shoot the Word of God. We begin to prophesy. Things are about to change. God is about to move. Things are about to shift. Somebody say amen. Oh man, I've got too much. All right, so then he, then he says, do this. He says, I want you to take some arrows and strike the ground. Point number four is strike the ground. This is the only only translation where the New King James, I think, is better than the NIV on this part. Elisha says to the king, now take some arrows, take the arrows and strike the ground. For you must strike until you have defeated the enemy but but the king King Joash the Bible says he strikes and stops the Bible says the man of God was angry with him you should have struck five or six times then you would have completely defeated Aram but now you're only going to defeat them three times. And if you read the Bible, which we encourage, they defeated them three times, but then the enemy regrouped and eventually overwhelmed Israel. What was it? It was a lack of passion. And it was the presence of apathy. An apathetic church. Friedrich Bonhoeffer, Martin Niemuller lived in the time of the Holocaust, Adolf Hitler, they were both pastors. And they said this, they said, how do we get to a place where we can have Jews corralled into boxcars and taken to execution gas chambers? How can, how can this happen in this land? How could such evil take place? Martin Niemuller said, because when they came for the disabled, I didn't say anything because I wasn't disabled. When they came for the homosexual, I still didn't speak up because I wasn't homosexual. And when they came for the Catholics, I didn't say anything because I wasn't Catholic. He says, and when they came for the Jews, I didn't say anything because I wasn't Jewish. And then when they came for the church, there was nobody left to speak up. Take a bow and some arrows, blessing of heaven. Shoot. But then he says, I want you to get your arrows and I want you to strike the ground. The devil advances on the apathy of the church. A lethargic church. So what do I do? I clothe myself in consistency. The great Navy SEAL commander, Jocko Willink, said motivation is good for about 15 seconds. Motivation is good for about 15 seconds. 
But after that, it's discipline. And discipline alone that will achieve the desired results. I want you to notice Elisha said, take a bow and some arrows. The king took some bow and arrows. Elisha says, open the east window. He opened the east window. Elisha said, shoot and he shot. Elisha said, take some arrows and strike the ground. Nowhere did Elisha say stop. The king stopped. He stopped short of his breakthrough. Should have struck five or six times, you would have wiped them out. Why did you stop? I didn't say stop. See, the Bible says in Acts chapter two, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully fully come, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And a part of them became tongues of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues and the church was born. But if you, you read the story, it says that suddenly, suddenly, but it wasn't, it was interesting because it was 10 days earlier. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. They're like, yes, woohoo! And about 580 people went up there, come on man, power's coming. Any minute now. But it was 10 days later when suddenly, I don't know about you, but 10 days doesn't seem like suddenly. God takes a long time to move suddenly. Watch this. Suddenly happened, but it happened 10 days later. How many, how many hours is there in a day? 24. If you times that by 10, what do you get? 240. What's the number of man? Six. If you divide six into 240, what are you left with? 40. 40 is tribulation, testing, trial. God was getting, God was about to bring divine power to humans. He says, but I need to test your humanity through six human six man cycles of 40 and then suddenly there were 580 on the first day there was only 120 on the 10th day how many people said yeah pastor I heard what you said about marriage that you know how you got her is how you keep her well I did three date nights and nothing shifted I hear what you're saying pastor you know with the tithing I, I tithe for a few weeks nothing changed you know, I went to recovery and, you know, it was good, but it, I, nothing's changed. I fell back into my addiction. Strike the ground. Why did you stop? You strike until you have defeated. Strike until you have defeated. Your breakthrough exists in your consistency. The DNA of breakthrough is carried through the actions of consistency. I tried the prayer meeting. Keep trying the prayer meeting. I tried church. Keep trying church. I tried what? Keep worshiping. Keep speaking the word. Keep prophesying. Keep disciplining your children. Keep turning up for recovery. Well, what if I don't feel like it? Well, motivation's gone now. Let discipline kick in. I am telling you, there is no enemy that you cannot conquer if you're consistent. If you strike the ground until, strike the ground until, 
until. Strike the ground until. After five years of marriage, my Liani, to her credit, was done because she still had a semblance of self-image that I hadn't destroyed. And she's like, I didn't sign up for this. And God, God hammered me and He said, she's a product of your husbandry. And I'm like, I don't ever want to take all the responsibility. The Bible says, God, you said in your Word that she'd be like a fruitful vine. And right now she's more like vinegar than wine. How do you spell vinegar? Sorry, vine, vinegar. Yeah, God says exactly. I gave you a fruitful vine. It's meant to produce sweet wine, but you, you jack, excuse me. Uh, if it's vinegar, that, that ain't on me, that's on you. comes from the same vines. Wine, vinegar, same vines. And then he said to me, how you got her is how you keep her. He said, this is gonna hurt your ego, but she didn't marry you. I'm like, I'm pretty sure. She, he's like, no, no, no. She married the ideal you presented. You know how you would take her out and you'd, You'd leave the room if you had to pass gas. I'm just being real. You'd always pull the chair. You'd listen intently. No, go on. No, I am interested. Yes, I, I don't even understand how, how those two, two colors could match. How did that make you feel? He says, but now that you married her, you're like, yeah. So I went on a date night. And I thought, yeah, well, okay, God spoke to me. I said, babe, you know, I'm the jack wagon. I'm gonna take you on, you know, how I got you, how we organize a date. She was suspicious, Aloysius, the whole date. She goes, you're just doing this because you're trying to get lucky. And if I was honest, deep down, I'm like, shoot this girl's profession. No! Well, I was hoping. It didn't change the first time. But I had to keep going. I had to keep going. I had to keep going. I didn't quit after three when nothing shifted. I had to strike the ground. Stand to your feet. Come on. We're, we're over time. And Dr. Matt said, I won't be invited back if I go over time. Just turn your palms towards heaven. You know, I tell you what's very interesting. Speaking of Chinese culture, bamboo. When you plant bamboo in the first year, you see nothing. The second year, nothing. The third year, surely now we've been watering it, irrigating it, nothing. Fertilizing it, nothing. Fourth year, surely fourth year, nothing fifth year still nothing 
be so easy to quit, so easy to give up on it. But in the sixth year, what was planted six years earlier, where there's been no visible sign, in the sixth year, bamboo will shoot up 14 to 18 feet. But for five years, it doesn't look like there's any shift. It looks like just quit, just give up, just back up. There are people here, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a financial situation. The word of the Lord to you is strike the ground. You know what strike the ground is? Obey the word. The same word that said take a bow and some arrows. The same word that said open the east window. The same word that said shoot. Don't stop obeying. Galatians 6 verse 9 says that if we, if we don't grow weary in doing good, in due season we shall reap a harvest if we don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. The devil wants to discourage you. See, just quit. Oh, you're still striking the ground. Don't, don't strike any more than three. Oh, it should have worked by now. Uh, everything should have changed after that. After the... the New King James says, strike until. You must strike until. You must strike until. You must strike until. You must strike until. I refuse to quit. I refuse to give up. But you don't understand. You don't understand. My child slipped back into, into an old addiction. Yeah, you know what? I ain't quitting. I ain't giving up. I will strike until. I will strike until. I will strike until. There is no substitute for victory. Strike the ground. I will strike the ground. I will strike the ground. Come on, if you need to strike the ground, give God a great shout right now. If you need to strike the ground in some areas, give God a shout. Father, we bless you. We magnify you. Today, Lord God, let us be a church that strikes the ground in Jesus' name. Come Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.